0: Welcome to the April episode of Any Crack Cork Rugby Podcast, sponsored by Eco Restaurant in Douglas. You've got me, Charlotte Foster. And me, John McNamara. And we'll be talking all things rugby, based around Cork and indeed Uh, beyond. And starting with beyond, in fact, it's European Cup. John, what are your thoughts on what's been going on recently?
1: Well, last weekend was a huge European Cup weekend for all four Irish provinces. But our main focus was on Munster up in Edinburgh and fortunately they came through 17-13 against a dogged Edinburgh team and it was a a great victory for them uh, with Munster qualifying for their 14th European semi-final which is a record for a professional team. Uh, Munster's style is based around a strong defence with coach Ferrero getting the best out of the team Uh, however when they do get a foothold in the opposition half they take their chances as Keith Earls did last week. He's been extremely sharp all year.
0: So Munster must be very happy with
1: that. Uh, it was a superb victory, Charlotte. It set them up for a semi-final with Saracens in the Rico Arena in Coventry on April the 20th. That's going to be a real toughy, but you'd never know, Munster might do it. They're definitely improving this year and defence has become uh, a cornerstone of this team.
0: Saris is going to be a challenge there, isn't it?
1: Saris is going to be a massive challenge. You're talking about the best in England there. Um, they've got a, a superb coach, uh, well-organised, uh, dominating the Premiership for the last few years. Uh, they've been absolutely excellent. Uh, Leinster, on the other hand, are not as convincing as last year, and many pundits will be surprised if they retain the Champions Cup this year. The loss of Sexton through injury, Issa Nasara, their um, key playmaker, and the movement of Geordie Murphy to Ulster and Joey Carbery to Munster, have definitely weakened this Leinster squad, who've used 55 players this year, and we would be very surprised if they do make it through to the final. Uh, after the semi-final against French opposition in Dublin which is uh, too loose. Uh, I must mention Ulster a bit further and Jacob Stockdale's knock-on in the in-goal area was not the only reason for their defeat on that day. Coach Dan McFarlane indicated that a loss at the breakdown and uh, being out rucked by the Leinster team was more significant. Connock's rotation policy backfired up in Sale Sharks And their second half performance indicated they might have won if they had included many of their frontliners from the start however coach andy friend opted to focus on the pro 14 rest some key players and that was the end of their uh, challenge cup run in the quarter final to sale sharks and i remember seeing them uh, being defeated by Sale sharks in the challenge cup semi-final must have been 10 or 15 years ago now with michael bradley in charge so connacht and sale have met each other quite a lot in that competition
0: episode we have a mystery guest we call it the mystery guest despite the fact the guest does not even appear on the show we uh, just read out some clues for people to try and have a guest at home play along and decide who we might be talking about so uh, we'll start off then with clue number one this person started off in prez primary under seven the prez brothers were committed coaches with athletics also very prominent in the school at the time michael Kiernan made an early impression moss finn and jimmy bowen were on the senior team also he played fullback in schools but also played youths in cork con got injured the year of the school's senior cup and remained out of the game for two years completely missing under 20 rugby john any extra clues you want to give at this point or any hints
1: right he went out of the game for a couple of years but i get the feeling when he came back in he made quite a strong impression
0: well we'll find out so then looking at the All-Ireland League, what are your thoughts this time around?
1: OK, we've been mentioning Highfield on the west side of the city in Bishopton quite a lot. Uh, they actually won Division II, uh, 2A Two last weekend, defeating Cashel 27-24, winning the division with 71 points. It's been an outstanding year for Highfield and coach uh, Timmy Ryan. He'll be absolutely delighted. They're champions of Division 2A, and the celebrations over on that side of the city must have been massive. Um that was a 27-24 victory in Woodley Park, as I suggested. But uh, the Highfield second 15, their juniors, have been outstanding as well. They beat Young Munster 31-27 away, and uh, they've qualified for a semi-final now. And surprisingly, it's against Cashel again. Cashel's second team have been very strong all year, and that's on the 21st of April. And uh, I expect Highfield to come through there and get to the first Junior Cup final since 1986 for that club. Um, Additionally uh, Dolphin have consolidated their position uh, in seventh place in 2A and that's good news for that big uh, Cork Club Dolphin who were in 1A for up to seven seasons under Steve Ford. They're now in the Irish third tier. They've consolidated their position and lots of people will be glad that they didn't drop again because it looked like as if they were dropping all the way to the fifth division. But uh, they've held their own in the third division this year under uh, Steve Ford mostly. Cork had uh, have 63 points. Um, they're likely to get Trinity in the uh, playoff game. It'll be first versus fourth. Cork Con versus uh, Trinity who are in fourth position. Trinity beat them in the last All-Ireland League game up in Dublin, but I feel that Conn uh, have weakened their selections in the last month or so because uh, you know their place at uh, number one in Division 1A is assured at this stage. Uh, UCC have 31 points and tonight in Cork, UCC take on Corkon at 8 o'clock in Corkon. and UCC could still be in trouble if they get overtaken by Terran uh, for example, or Shannon. So uh, a victory tonight uh, by UCC uh, is vital in uh, ensuring that they survive in Division uh, 1A and players to watch for them tonight will obviously be uh, Mark Poland at Scrum Half. Uh, sorry, John Poland. It's, uh, his dad is Mark Poland, my old friend. Uh, but John is a fantastic player. Have you Who's taken
0: my... him out of retirement? <laughs> 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 I'm
1: getting the fathers and sons mixed up now. And uh, obviously, uh, Kian Bohan, that ex-Munster uh, inside centre, who uh, will make a phenomenal difference tonight. And that UCC backline, when it gets going, it's ultra mm-hmm. sharp. Uh, it's just, will their uh, young pack, average age 20, be able to live with uh, a more experienced Korcon team that have gone so well this year?
0: Lots of stuff going on then there.
1: Uh. Yeah. Uh, I must mention my own club Sunday as well, we're on 24 points, we are bottom of Division 2 Bay, it looks like as if we're slipping into the 5th tier, 2C, but we're fighting uh, tooth and nail to survive. Uh, Last time out we beat um, Galway Corinthians in Cork with a big score, 55 points to 14, they hit four magnificently that day, underage star Ryan Buckley was outstanding ex-PBC player Paddy Hagerty came on and uh, made a huge contribution. And the Glynn brothers, who I didn't see when I was watching the team before Christmas, two brothers from Mallow in the pack, have come back. They must be dual status players, I think, this year. But they came back and made a significant contribution. And uh, that was a fantastic win. It did help the fact that the... It was helped by the fact that the referee gave an early red card to Corinthians. And uh, that's uh, tomorrow's game against Belfast, Harlequins and Cork is massive. If they beat harlequins they'd probably move to second from bottom if they move to second from bottom they could end up in a playoff game with the fourth team in division 2c and let's hope they achieve that at least and don't go down automatically
0: that's always the hope isn't it not yes, to go down yeah, automatically. automatically
1: yes yes yes
0: any players at the moment that are sticking out for you
1: in some as well well i mentioned ryan buckley uh, he's been good. I must mention Peter Arago, at Scrum Half, who's back from injury. And I must mention Willie McCarthy, who's come in age 38. Uh, he's not the biggest player in the world, uh, but he's fantastically determined. Uh, he's come up from the third 15 back into the first 15 because of a serious injury crisis with hookers in the club. And he's done fantastically well. He's stabilised the lineup with his good throwing. And his contribution around the field has been uh, very good also
0: first senior break. um, He came back J2 with Dolphin Minor A, as it was called at the time, aged 21, and got selected for a club tour to America at fullback. Was selected for all four games and played on with Dolphin for the next 14 seasons. Stopped playing in 1995, aged 35, as rugby went professional, but didn't mind the social, as the social aspect of the game was gone by then.
1: Right, the social aspect of the game was diminishing around then. People were taking it more and more seriously, but uh, that club Dolphin are fantastic for touring, particularly in Canada and the USA, and that really would motivate players to stay with them.
0: Before we started recording, we had a quick mention about Keith Earls, and you, you were saying you wanted to talk about him in particular at the moment.
1: Keith Earls has been around a long time, and I remember uh, meeting Garrett Fitzgerald, the CEO of Munster, uh, outside Sale Sharks, actually back in around 2000 and uh, 2007. And Keith Earls was making his debut at the time for Munster. And I decided to just look into Keith Earls' life a little bit more. He was born on the 2nd of October uh, 1987. He's 31 years of age, which is uh, pushing on for professional. But he seems to be in uh, better physical shape than he's been in a long time, long, uh, for a long time. Uh, he's the son of Gerrals, who was a very well known player in his own right, who played for Thomond and Young Munster and was open side flanker for Young Munster in the year that they won Division 1 in 1994, which was the first and only time that that club won uh, Division 1. Uh, he also appeared for Munster against Australia in that famous win in 1992. That's Gerrals, Keith's Dads, I'm talking about. Um, Keith won a Munster Senior Cup with St Munchens in 2006, beating Prez in the final. He made his debut for the full Munster team against Ospreys approximately a year later in April 2007. Season 08-09 he scored 10 tries for Munster. He uh, made the Heineken Cup final team that year which won the Heineken Cup final. Uh, He also played for Munster in their 15-6 win over Australia on the 16th of November 2010. And that must be a career highlight for him. Uh, He has had a few problems with injuries in the last uh, five or six years. And when you look through his profile, he's missed um, significant bits of quite a few seasons. However, this year, his body is holding up very well. And he's compared to a fine wine with his great form. And those two tries in Edinburgh will always be remembered. And uh, his debut for Ireland in November 2008, Uh, was against Canada. He didn't quite make the um, starting 15 for the Irish Triple Crown winning team in 2009, but he did make the British and Irish Lions in 2009, not as a test player, but a very important squad player. And overall, what can I say? It might be coming to the end soon in the next two or three years for Keith Earls, but he has had a magnificent career.
0: So talk about some highlights of his career. Well, he got a first Irish Colleges cap against England in 1990 on a team that included Alton O'Callaghan and Julian Khan from Cork Con and Nicky Barry and Ben Cronin from Gary Owen. They won the Colleges Triple Crown with Tom Brown as manager and rugby pundit George Hook as coach. Won a charity cup with Dolphin against Cork Con and a couple of Dennehy Cups and J2 Cups. Sometimes appearing at out half using his big boot for good territorial advantage. Now he opened Alroy's in 1990 as a sports bar, and every international player visiting Cork must have dropped in. He reckons. One funny memory from that nightclub was when Dungannon were in town for an All Ireland League game with Ulster politician Ken McGuinness supporting them. Now he introduced his two security men and put their and he put their revolvers in the safe however dolphin Stewart, Billy St John was extremely worried about a bullet deflecting off their bulletproof vests and hitting him our mystery guest assured him that he would be safe
1: Uh, he's opened up a pretty famous nightclub but I won't give his name yet
0: no you can't that's not how we play the game As we head towards summer people might be thinking of going on holiday and what you do when you go on holiday you buy a good book don't you have you been reading any good books at the moment
1: well i read a fantastic rugby book it was mostly over the christmas period but i finished it off in the last month or two it was the last amateurs by william bradley the story of ulster's uh, victorious uh, european cup campaign of 1999 uh, bradley fills the book up with fantastic facts uh, for example andy Reid, the flanker uh, uh, during that period uh, he came to Ulster to play for a club called Balmahinch, went back down to New Zealand and decided that Ulster was much more friendly than New Zealand and came back and made his life in Ulster, marrying a, a Northern Irish girl and staying up there. He's a pundit now for BBC Ulster and also on Irish TV. and uh, There's such fantastic detail in there. Simon Mason, the full-back, was signed from uh, the Wirral in England. Uh, he made a massive contribution with his kicking. Um, on top of that, we had um, other players that were part of the squad like uh, Murta who lost his place as the squad strengthened close to the final. Uh, overall they had some fantastic wins, Toulouse, Stade Francais on the way. I must reckon- recommend this book uh, for any rugby readers uh, to read because uh, William Bradley gives a fantastic portrayal of those last amateurs, the 1999 Ulster
0: team. Maybe we'll make this a regular feature, the book of the month. <laughs> Clue number four, the uh, difficult opponent then for our mystery guest. Vinnie Becker of St Mary's was the most difficult opponent our mystery guest was up against, but did manage to score against him. We'll go on to talk about who were also good. Pat O'Hara of Sunday's Well was teak-tough and Irish back growers Slattery and Duggan were outstanding on trips to Cork despite many pints being consumed the night before the game. Could well have been pints of water, couldn't it?
1: Um, No, these were the days when the guys could have the pints the night before the match and still put in a tremendous performance the next day. In fact, the England rugby team used to do it as well with uh, Dean Richards uh, when they were on their trips to Dublin and Edinburgh.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. Every time we do this I manage to rifle through the, uh, the secret diary of the Irish ref in England and uh, no difference this time, here we are, let's see what he's been up to. Well, I'm not, in, not too impressed with the first, the first sentence here. Trotting out with a mild hangover. Did not expect problems. Blocks had a reputation, it was merited. Ian arrived to have a look average performance all round. Suddenly it exploded. Two players, fisticuffs. Rapidly and all in. Ian acts as an unofficial touch judge. Holding on the floor starts it. And your decision? Double yellow floor men. Red Kung Fu Kid. Very good. Awards lowest in all categories. How surprising. Blocks later tell the Kung Fu Kid, hang up your boots it's one of those things sometimes in rugby passions just overflow a little bit and we can see red in many many different forms can't we uh,
1: very good analogy seeing red there um, charlotte uh, you remember the song everybody was kung fu fighting uh, well uh, everybody wasn't kung fu fighting there was just one kung fu fighting and uh, the referee got a bit of a shock that day but the referee acted well yeah. to uh, penalize uh, this quite violent form of fighting and show sure Red.
0: There's no room for it in the rugby, I'm no afraid. Room for yeah, game. I, I know people say, oh, you know, it's one of those things. Part of rugby. It's not. It's not part of rugby fighting.
1: It's a dangerous game in the wrong hands and it's got to be policed well.
0: Exactly. And it's not always. I, I wouldn't want to be a referee, ever.
1: Uh, well, look, refs can have difficult matches. They've just got to contain the problems.
0: Clue number five, then, for our mystery Guest has this person been involved with rugby since they stopped playing well he started coaching under 13s and went on to coach under 20s coached cork con to six j2 league victories and two denehy cups now though i think he spends most of his time enjoying the social aspects of the game having been wearing the tracksuit for some time
1: I yes, to reveal it, who it is for people that haven't quite got it, it yet. It is Eric Tracy, former player with uh, Dolphin RFC, owner of Elroy's Nightclub, and recently in the last decade, coach with Cork under 20s, and 3rd 15 primarily.
0: Thank you very much for listening to any Crack Cork rugby podcast sponsored by Eco Restaurant in Douglas. Myself, Charlotte Foster, and
1: and me, John McNamara. I hope you enjoyed the show, and uh, this is our fourth show together. In Show 5, we'll be reviewing all the season, including uh, how things pan out in the European Cup, how things pan out in the All-Ireland League. Uh, By the way, Cork Con, if they qualify for the final, won't be having that until uh, the 5th of May in Dublin. And uh, we'll be able to tell you if Sunday's well last in Division 2A, uh, 2B, sorry. And uh, that'll be interesting to follow as well.